In June 2023, a report by Be Inclusive Hospitality revealed that ethnic minority people within hospitality were three times more likely to be self-employed than their white counterparts. Those people taking part in the survey and who had a longer length of service appeared to have a greater sense of disappointment regarding business support than those who were new to the industry. Over 79% of black respondents found the idea of a mentor to be the most helpful form of career support and progression. One person who is not afraid to offer her support is speaker, entrepreneur, business owner of Caribbean Caterers, co-founder and director of the Caribbean Food Collective, and UK Caribbean Food Awards Dawn Burton. Welcome to another episode of Talking Hospitality, the new home for Timothy Put the Cattell on. Hosting for today's episode are me, Timothy R. Andrews, and Tracy Rashid. How are you doing, Tracy? Yeah, I'm really good, Tim. How are you? Great, I'm great. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us again for what promises to be another great episode. In today's episode, we talk with Dawn Burton, founder of the UK Caribbean Food Awards. We discuss her story as an entrepreneur and how a lack of cohesion in her community led her to create the Caribbean Food Collective. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. We're so excited to have you today. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Looking forward to the awards and everything that, you know, the holiday season brings. We know that the UK is Caribbean food mad. And as summer has just gone, that was the perfect time for eating that food. However, what do you think is the appeal of Caribbean food? I think the appeal is that you can almost make any dish Caribbean by adding particular seasonings to it or sauces it's so versatile chicken is a main staple you can add a little bit of jerk barbecue if you want something mild you can add a little bit of hot chili type jerk seasoning to make it caribbean and there's so many other flavors there's mango chutneys there's pineapples all exotic that you can add to any meat or fish that can tropicalize it because it's so versatile and you can make anything Caribbean. I think it's been able to put your stamp on it isn't it you can make you can personalize it too so yes it's Caribbean at the heart but you can make it hotter or slightly milder based on your preferences and what your family and friends like. Yeah. We know that you own a Caribbean catering company called Cariburton. Can you please share with us and our listeners your story and how Caraburton came about? Caraburton came about after, as an employee for major hotel firms, small chains, thoroughly enjoyed it, but thought about, you know, what, what can I do next? What would be the legacy? What do I leave behind to, to help others to, to do something I enjoy? And hence, I looked around me in the hotel and saw that Food and Beverage, who actually sat next door to the chef's office at the time, asked what it was like to be a chef, a caterer. And that really inspired me. It was a lot of hard work, but anything that hard work is a challenge. And I listened to the advice I was given, spent some time mm. in the conference and banqueting departments, food and beverage, and decided that that's where I wanted to go. So um, I left the hotel world, then set up my own catering business. It was very, very hard in the beginning because there's so many different aspects to catering. There's street food, there's private caterer, there's contract catering, yeah. meal delivery. And, you know, I didn't know. So I tried all of them <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed all of them and still do. 
It's such a joy to be able to see when you've created a meal that people enjoy it. I mean, I've started, what, in 2010, sort of professionally, 2011, catering, from doing street food to meals for children over COVID. It's just been amazing. But I can honestly say that I've enjoyed all of them, you know, through the good experiences and the, the difficult experiences, like dropping a, a whole tray of patties that were supposed to go onto a street food store. Oh. And, you know, that probably got me the most posts ever on, on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Learning and the whole essence of being a caterer, I really want to pass that on, that knowledge to people that want to get into catering. So I've embarked on um, a speaking career and also mentoring. I still want my hands in there because there's so many children, as you can you know, probably hear over the school holidays, that go without meals. So something I do every summer, every Easter and every Christmas, working with local authorities, making sure that we can provide meals for those holiday clubs at a good price, nutritious meals so that during the day they can be fed and their parents know that they're getting a meal. That's really important to make sure that vulnerable children at this time do get a meal. I'm glad you brought that up because actually this podcast, the reason why it founded was because people were feeding impoverished families and making sure kids got their food on the table. And it seems to be forgotten about. Mm. And so I'm glad you brought it up because it still is a problem. In fact, it's probably even worse than it was during COVID in some ways. It is. Yeah. It's really important that we still don't forget that. And I'm glad you brought this message to this episode because it is still happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something I do, I don't really talk about it, but at Christmas and New Year, me and the kids cook a roast dinner, put it into meal boxes late afternoon, because you tend to find that in the evening, a lot of the hidden homeless do have shelters, but during the day they're out. So we go out early afternoon, handing out roast potatoes, Christmas dinner, just that they can have a hot meal. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important to me to make sure that time of year when we should be being hospitable, that we remember those on our doorstep. Switching it a little bit back to Caraburton and the wards, what was it that you were seeing and hearing in the Caribbean community and the hospitality industry that made you think, I need to do something different. I have to make a change. That's a really good question because every time I went out to network and that's how I met my business partner, Marsha Barnett, who also had a food business, there were no black or Caribbean food businesses. And as I went out more um, over the years, I found out, well, I'm the only one. And, you know, networking, I was thinking, where are all the other food businesses? There's so many takeaways. There's so many people cooking from home. I hear about all the companies on meal delivery. But where are these people? Do they ever need support? And when I bumped into Marsha, we spoke about how we started off in business and we, we said there was no support. There was nobody we could go to. We was networking. There was nobody like us networking. We realized that actually there's a lot of people out there doing things on their own, sometimes all good, sometimes not so good, that just don't know where to go to for support. So that's how the Caribbean Food Collective started. We then were approached by the British Takeaway Campaign, which was then headed by Just Eat to represent the Caribbean takeaway food sector because they didn't have anybody representing the sector in their group. So they had Oriental businesses, they had Asian takeaways, Indian curry houses, they had fish and chip awards, they had the Kebab Awards founder was there, but nobody for Caribbean food. 
So when we were asked to represent the Caribbean food industry, we thought, yes, this is what we need to do and make sure that our voices for takeaways and food businesses are heard. So that's how it started because there wasn't anybody out there to support specific Caribbean food, even the way we approach our food health and safety. Caribbeans from traditional are very clean, very hygienic. Um, but explaining this to a new food entrepreneur, it wasn't just about being clean and hygienic. It was about your food management and your storage systems and how you record things. This evaded many people. And yeah, that wasn't really being communicated. So this is why we started the Caribbean Food Collective. Then being around a lot of the founders of all these wonderful different cuisines, we were invited to a lot of award ceremonies, but there was no Caribbean awards. So we thought, right, two years ago, <laughs> we, need to, we need to do this. It came across Tim and Tracy because we didn't see anybody else doing what we did in terms of support or celebrating. Can I ask why do you think that was? I think you know what it is. Sometimes when you do business, you have to have a motive. And most people do it for financial or for flexibility of time or to leave a legacy. But all these things take money. Mm -hmm. And the, the what's in it for me attitude, mm. myself and Marsha, we ask ourselves why we didn't ask that question in the beginning. Because we didn't think about what was in it for us. We thought, what will be in it for the people that we can help? So we launched the Caribbean Food Collective. Tracy was there. I was. It was a great event. Tracy supplied the cake. I did, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing. I'll never forget those cakes to these day. Coconut and lime, delicious. Yes. <laughs> and we had a fantastic turnout. And that showed us that we need to do what we needed to do. And mm. we had no budget for that. But we had a lot of help from people that wanted to see us do well and support us and same with the awards it's come at a time where people have said well this needs to happen we want to help you to do it so we didn't think about budget or what's in it for us we just wanted to do it and we find ourselves where we are now question for our audience you mentioned Marsha a few times who is she yes Marsha is a fantastic food entrepreneur with her food business herself. She is launching a great range of jerk sauces, amongst other things. And she is my business partner with the Caribbean Food Collective and also with the UK Caribbean Food Awards. So, yes, a fellow foodie, um, Caribbean heritage like myself, passionate about making a difference and helping other entrepreneurs in the food business. Oh, which leads me on very nicely to my next question. We've mentioned, and as have you, that you have your first annual Caribbean Food Collective Award in October. Yeah. Can you share what the awards are all about? The awards is about celebrating and showcasing the very best of Caribbean food businesses, entrepreneurs and chefs. We have 15 categories. All categories will have finalists and they will receive a trophy, certificate and prize money. Mm -hmm at the Marriott Grosvenor Square Hotel. We will have welcome drinks, we'll have entertainment, we've got some celebrities attending, dignitaries, VIPs, 10 food journalists from some of the top food magazines um, there as well. So yeah, it's supposed to be a spectacular, lavish night, three course Caribbean food menu. Lovely. It should be amazing. Dawn. Yes. <laughs> Dawn, that noise means it's time for put the cupper down question time. 
our time for talking is over. We've heard about Caribbean food. We've heard about Caraburton. But now we want to find out about the real you. Oh, no. Now, our regular listeners will know how this works. The aim of the game is to answer questions, giving only one word answers. But as we know, trying to get hospitality people to say one word when they can use 50 is virtually impossible. So this season, Dawn, we're having a competition. (gasps) We will be marking the questions out of 100. Scores will be based on speed, wittiness. Oh, no. And on one word answers. (laughs) Plus... To make it even fairer, we will be marking it on anything arbitrary that we feel like adding to. (laughs) But the winner, little bit of a drum roll, please, Tracy. (laughs) The winner will receive at the end of the season. The prize dawn is a £10 Amazon voucher to spend on whatever you wish. Oh my gosh, that would be so handy. Everything is so expensive, so any funds are appreciated. Don't say we never give you anything, Dawn. And we still might not either. (laughs) I want to win though. Are you ready? I am ready. Then we'll begin. Bring it on. What has been your favourite age so far? 32. What is your go-to lazy dinner? Fish and chips. What is your favourite thing to do in the autumn? Walk in the park with my dog. Do you floss? No. What is one of your nicknames? D. What is your highest academic achievement? GCSE, English literature. Mm. Were you good or bad as a child? I was good. What item is worth spending more money on? Jewellery. Is your bed made right now? Yes. Do you have a pet? Yes. Have you ever written a song for someone? Never. Say something in German. Nein. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that as a no. What is one thing you regret spending money on? Choose what movie do you enjoy quoting the most? Oh, The Colour Purple. If you could be transformed into one animal... Which one would you choose? A bumblebee. I did not see that coming. (laughs) Have you ever gone viral online? No. Well, you did when you dropped out all those patties, right? Uh, I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Oh dear. What dish do you cook best? Spaghetti bolognese. What story do you tell the most about my son? Why did the chicken cross the road? To get the egg. Consider this: horses have long faces. Lambs can be a bit sheepish. What do you get from a pampered cow? Milk. (laughs) And that's it. Thank you for sharing the tea, Dawn. (laughs) The answer, of course, to what do you get from a pampered cow is spoiled milk. Oh. I did that round. Yeah, so how many points, Tim? That out, so minus. She didn't go viral. Yeah, okay. She only got half the milk, so we deduct 70. Yeah. 79.5. How am I on the leaderboard? As we said, will it be enough to win? 
you will have to follow us, Dawn, until the end of the season to find out. Absolutely will do. It's been an amazing show. I love it. And uh, yeah, definitely we'll be checking in on the other shows to see how the other um, contributors will be doing. <laughs> Thank you so much for being such a great guest, Dawn. We've really enjoyed having you on the show. Sadly, that's all of this episode of Talking Hospitality. Thank you for joining us for this one-off special. Sarah, Tracy and I hope you will join us for season four that's coming soon. So please do go to our website, www.talkinghospitality.com, where you will be able to hear all our previous episodes and even this one. The aim of the podcast is to support the hospitality industry. So when you visit our website, we have a wealth of resources available to you from blogs, newsletters and training courses. So if you are interested in what we've been talking about either today or in previous episodes, please do check out the website www.talkinghospitality.com and check out what we've got there for you. Finally, our podcast can be found on all good podcast platforms. So if you haven't already, please do follow or subscribe so you don't miss the start to season four. Mm -hmm.